Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Book Talk. If you're just joining us for Cackle, we're so happy that you're here. We are a podcast book club. We read one book over four episodes. And we talk about each of the four parts as we go. And we read along with you. And that's it. And we start each episode with Katie giving us a quick summary because I have total book amnesia. And I put it down and I forgot everything I just read. Perfect. So this summary is to catch you all up. So if you haven't read it yet or you read it last week, you know where we're at. Um, Unlike our last book, this one had a little bit less plot, so we got to know the characters a little bit more, which I am enjoying. We meet our main character, Annie, um, in her current life in New York City, where she has recently broken up with her boyfriend, Sam, and then taken a teaching job to get the heck out of town in a small upstate town. Um, She moves into her cute little apartment, and she meets Sophie, and that is when things start to get a little bit interesting. Um, She accompanies Sophie to the farmer's market and gets through her first day of school. We meet a couple of townspeople and a couple of not very friendly teachers. And we end this section with Annie having an impromptu sleepover at Sophie's house and things start getting really weird. Spooky. It is a little spooky, but it's not as spooky as I was expecting. Like, I think I also love Sophie and it's spooky. (laughs) Right. I'm right there with Annie the whole time also in love falling in love with Sophie yeah like I at first I was like why is she staying here why is she just like following Sophie around and by the end I was like I get it I'll follow you Sophie where are you I'll stay in your mansion with like infinite bottles of wine and freshly made pie yes I loved the like I said, this book had a little bit less plot in the beginning than I think the last couple we've read, but I loved the setting of the scene in the mansion and, um, you know, them making the pie and having the wine and going to the library and like the different rooms. I could like actually picture myself there, um, which I loved. And it just felt so cozy and comfortable, even though it was this giant mansion that Sophie was kind of ashamed to have her back at, but I loved it. Do you think, can we start by talking about the mansion now that you just said that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Do you think the mansion is real? I don't read a lot of books with, (laughs) let me start this by saying, I don't read a lot of books about with or surrounding magic, so I don't really know what's real or not, but in my head currently, this is all real and the mansion is haunted and like it exists and it's real. I think but I haven't really figured out Sophie's relationship to the town yet. So I think I'm in the camp of either the mansion is real or it's all fake. The town, the mansion, the people. I feel like it's one or the other. That could be wrong. But what do you think? Do you think it's fake? My guess was that Sophie and the house, it exists physically. But what she's seeing is like a projection of something beautiful but that doesn't actually exist. So like the kitchen is real, but it's not clean or well-decorated. Like Sophie is real, but she's not as stunningly beautiful as Annie is imagining. Okay. I could see that like where everything when she's with Sophie is through rose colored glasses and wherever Sophie goes is seen as beautiful. But if she saw the mansion without Sophie, it wouldn't be. I buy that because I also think when she's there and I wrote this down too, 
she goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night and she looks at herself and she's like, wow, I look incredible. <laughs> Which also, I am uh, I am happy with this spooky yet darkly funny book because she's like, I need this friendship to work, not because she's warm and friendly, but because I need to know what product she uses. <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> but it's funny. She is like, she's funny. Our main character. I like her. There's one part too where Sophie asks her a question and immediately her response is, because I love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm in love with you. What do you mean? What? Of course I'll spend the night. Of course. What do you mean? And she says, I also... I and we're kind of jumping around here a little bit. I want to go to the writing style now that we're kind of talking about Annie's head. Being inside her head is like it's like a little too close to home, her like anxiety about being around people. She says something and she's immediately like throws her phone across the room and buries it under a pillow. I'm like, oh well, been there, done that. Like overanalyzing everything she says and her instinct of what she wants to say is like very funny and also she can't say it. And then you know, I feel like she's just constantly thinking about what people think about her. So it's funny to be in Annie's head. It's also like a little bit anxiety inducing. Um, but she's definitely a lovable main character. Not as lovable as Sophie, but. So I just finished and I'll talk more about it in Talk Talk. I just finished Beautiful World, Where Are You? with by Sally Rooney, where all of the characters, are these like deep philosophical kind of liberal elite people and they're always having these like really deep thoughts about like the meaning of life and all this stuff and if I'm honest like that is not my internal dialogue my internal dialogue is much more like Annie who was like wow you're so beautiful and then like does everybody see her like this like why are they treating her that way it must be because she's beautiful and just like very self-obsessed like you were saying very relatable I do find the writing in this book to be much more simple, very approachable. This is definitely, I can already tell, going to be more like lighthearted than mm-hmm. the other books we've read. Definitely going to be something very different in terms of writing style, which is good. I like that on the pod we're reading a lot of different types of books. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a good, this is the kind of book I like to read in December. This is like a cozy, it's not too deep, but it's also like interesting enough to keep my attention. I like I said before, I liked the scene setting and the way she describes it when she's talking about the town, which I also love a, um, in this month of the year, specifically a small town story. So I'm like into this cute little upstate town and she's describing it. And she says, it's like a sip of hot tea. It's macaroni and cheese. It's cozy slippers. It's cashmere. It's comfort, which I love because when you think of all those things, you think, I think of like, of like a cozy winter night, um, in like a small little town where everybody knows you. It's kind of cute. Yeah, I'm definitely imagining Gilmore Girls yeah. town. But like with a potential witch? But with a sexy witch lady. Oh, yes. Okay, so let's back up and talk a little bit about um, Sam and Annie, which is kind of how we get here, is their breakup and Annie's immediate decision to run out of town and move to a small town. What did you think about them and this kind of this breakup and this relationship in general? It's terrifying as somebody who's (laughs) been in a relationship for nine-ish years and I'm in my 30s. I totally relate to her absolutely freaking out. Like, who am I without this relationship that I'm so used to and that I've built my life around? I think it's total bullshit that Sam's like, let's be friends. It's all about maintaining the friendship. It's like, no, dude. 
you just want something else. Or I think he's actively like with somebody else or had somebody else in mind. That's my sense. I don't, I totally agree. It is terrifying. And I think what you're talking about too is like the space it creates where you like, I love the part when she was describing, you have this heart and you're okay, you're secure and you're, you know, on your own. And then you like make space for somebody which like stretches it out. And then like, how do you fill it again? It's hard. It takes a long time to like go back down. I thought that was such a good metaphor for what it feels like to go through a breakup. Um, but yeah, I think it's also bullshit. But like, oh, we can just be friends. Like clearly you were not in love the same way that Annie was in love. If you can be like, okay, we're, we can be friends or you're with somebody else and you've already fulfilled that need. Um, and you've proven to yourself you can find better for you than, than Annie, but like she clearly is not okay. And the, I cannot imagine, and I know people who have done this and I can't imagine being in there. She is like living in the same place with somebody after a breakup. Let me just make you eggs and your coffee exactly the way you like it and have the same conversation. We've had a hundred mornings, but it's completely different. I was like, this is so sad to read. And you know, she can't just like, she can't leave because she's financially locked in there, which is also crazy that's why I have a feeling that Sam is with somebody else because he's almost like happy that they've settled on this normal it's like oh yeah I didn't actually have to make a choice I didn't have to give up on this relationship I can sort of have both oh yeah and that he's seeing now and still have Annie in his life and she's taking that as like oh we're successfully friends yeah I think they're both delusional (laughs) like yeah this isn't gonna last I mean she realizes that too. Yeah. Like there's no way our friendship is going to last, especially when it's that awkward silence of like, oh, I have to go or I can't talk right now. Mm-hmm. I will say for me personally, I have not been able to be friends with an ex immediately following the relationship, but I do know a couple who did do that. They sort of had that realization like, I'm not for you. You're not for me. They'd been together for a couple years and they successfully transitioned into friends without ever cleanly breaking contact okay but I feel like that's because they were both in uh, agreement though which Annie is not exactly it wasn't like one person breaking up with the other person it was sort of like mutually agreed destruction of the relationship and that allowed them to talk through it they're also Mm -hmm. talky people I feel like you gotta talk 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 it out and it seems like Sam and Annie are not actually talking about any of the deep stuff they're just still talking the normal conversations that they would have Yeah. I feel like I'm back to my, how do people, I am a person who needs to talk everything out, especially if it's somebody that's important to me. I'm like, okay, I need to talk through this 100 different ways. And I just, I'm still back to reading a book where I'm like, how do you just not say anything? This dude breaks up with you. And it's like, I think this isn't working, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like silent. And I get that. I get in the moment, not having anything to say, but then like the next morning I would be like, okay, here's my three point list on why you're wrong. And why you need to discuss it. Like you just never say anything. You never like try to fight for it at all. It just, every time I read that in a book, I'm like, this seems so unrealistic to me, especially being in the same place, especially when she comes home shit face, you didn't wake him up and ask him why he doesn't love you still. No, it's unrealistic. Yeah. I think you're catching, (laughs) catching Rachel's drift that there's more coming for this relationship because there's a lot left unsaid and there's a lot that we don't know. And there's a lot, I think that Annie doesn't, no to claim or to ask or to demand she seemed like she was just so shocked but it does seem like she's already going back to that conversation and saying like why didn't I ask for more why didn't I push him 
to give me more details. Why didn't I say why now? You know, all those questions that we would have gone after. Okay. Um, And I think it's also like her, her analyzing or having that banter with Sam and trying so hard. I think people fight it a lot when relationships change, like friendships or relationships, they want it to stay the same. So like, even if it doesn't have to end badly, sometimes it evolves into like another phase or another stage of your relationship. And she's like unwilling to let go of this like banter that they had when they were able to have that banter because things were really okay and simple between them. They've complicated now. It's like a lot harder to have this like very casual banter. Mm-hmm. And she's just like overanalyzing everything. But I think it's I think it's good um, that she left, obviously. And I'm interested to see what happens with her and Sam through the rest of the book. I also think it's a good setting to bring in a Sophie character who has malintent because that also is what happens right after a serious relationship um, breaks up is people become really vulnerable oh, yeah. to whoever will give them attention, anybody who will fill that void, that space that they're feeling. And that definitely happens. Okay. So let's talk about Sophie. I am the like goddess fully of my with life. Annie. I know. I'm full with Annie. I'm like, she's not bad. She has no malintent. She just wants to be with me. And that's not true. <laughs> Which you just brought me back to the reality of remembering that this is probably not going to be as um, magically magical as I feel like it is. No, no. This is Ursula. She's going to try and take something from Annie in exchange for... Yeah, no. She's going to try and give Annie something in exchange for like her soul or her youth or her voice oh. or something. Okay. Wow. I mean, she already was like, what do you really want? Yes, you're right. That's going to be major Invisible Life of Addie LaRue vibes where they're like, you know, the guy she's in love with. If you haven't read Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, it's long, but you should read it. And yeah, when she falls in love with like the devil essentially, and then he figures out what she really wants and like trades her her life or whatever. I don't understand. Is this pet? What is this pet nickname? I like it creeps me out a little bit. I don't like it. Oh, yeah. She's so creepy. I mean, it's endearing, but it's terrifying. She calls her pet. She's like stroking her hair. Yes. She's pulling all this information ah! out of her. She's definitely manipulating Annie for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. I feel like the pet nickname, which she says in front of you all the time, too. I don't know. I'm just like, this is weird. It's also, it's, again, the same thing. We're looking at this foreshadowing. It's like people will tell you who they are. They will literally like tell you what's to come, but you just never want to see it. You never want to see that in people. So she is definitely ooh, up to no good. Up to no good. I feel like her first day of school surprised me a little bit because I did think that they would be a little bit nicer to her or a little more inclusive. I don't know. I'm not a teacher, but it it seemed like they pointed out specifically that it was weird and that they were not welcoming. I wonder if that's because she lives in this town specifically and not in the town where the school is and they know something about the town as well. I don't know. We also have this young girl who she sort of befriends, like the teacher's pet kind of girl, which I just thought it was so funny. The person who has like feminist and Sylvia Plath pins, because to me, those things are not similar. But I understand a teenage brain. You're like, I read Sylvia Plath and I'm a feminist. Those things are related. So and I'm wearing Doc Martens and I'm a vegan. Make it make sense. (laughs) I love her. But yeah, I I don't know what is going on with the other teachers and why they're not friendly and also the students in this other town. It's interesting that she's in an adjacent town where she's teaching. So it seems like it's going to be separate, 
from the drama, but maybe it's more realistic where it is really hard to make friends as an adult. It's really hard to break into a new community. And that is the reality of making friends, not this idea of Sophie, the perfect friend who's immediately available and attentive and listening to you. Yeah, that's fair. Those teenagers are brutal, which I mean, they are. Teenagers in general are brutal. Oh my God, the crane and the bird noises. Oh, it's stress. I do feel like even though she was internally screaming, she handled it very well. She was like, I'm from Manhattan. Please sit down. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I mean, checks out. All right. Well, next week we're reading from pages 79 to 152, and we'll be back on Sunday night. Have a good week. Hello, my name is Tegan, and I'm the host of the Bookstorian podcast. I'm a book lover and bookstagrammer with a ferocious need to color code. I am a drama teacher by trade, which also means I really love to talk. I have a constant thirst to talk about the books I've read, and sometimes the comment box just isn't long enough for me. Join me each Monday as I talk to bookstagrammers about their accounts, why they created them, what inspires them, and what tips they may have. We also discuss oh so many books across a range of different genres. And yes, there will be spoilers. I want to talk to people about the books they have read, and that means we're going to talk about what happens in those books. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian Podcast. Talk, 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 talk. First of all, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. I was actually like, I think I've read a couple of books, but I've also like traveled to a couple of states and read a couple of books. Also, same, same. <laughs> it's been crazy. Um, okay, so I want to tell you about this book. I'm waiting to tell you about it that I finished. The House in the Cerulean Sea was so good. This is the book I was talking about last week where I was like two of my really good friends who read very different books, both read and loved. Um, and since I posted it, everyone has been like, I love this book. And so if you haven't bought it yet, go read it. It's kind of like someone I heard describe it as a grown-up Harry Potter. It's it's so good. There are so many good lessons. You will like laugh and cry. At the end of it, I was on the plane and I knew it was like the last 40 pages. I'm like, I just don't want this book to end. Like, I don't know how it's going to like, what's going to happen here, but I just like, I don't want it to end. It's been so good. Such a good little journey. So maybe my, one of my top favorite books. So definitely read it. It was so good. I requested it from the library. Okay. Yay. I can't wait. And then I read One Night in December, a cute little rom-com, which I loved. I feel like per usual rom-coms, the beginning is always a little bit too cheesy or unbelievable for me. But then by the middle, I'm like fully in it. And by the end, I am like committed to the story. I'm crying. I'm happy. So it followed that same pattern. Once I got into the story and let go of the parts that were like, as I'm sure you would say, a little bit unbelievable. I was like, okay, I'm in. I love it. Um, And now I'm reading another rom-com that was recommended right after because it's December and I don't care anymore. And I don't like this one, which is so annoying. It's called like the 12 Dates of December, the 12 Dates of Christmas or something. And uh, yeah, 12 Dates of Christmas. It, I'm not even like into it to finish it. I'm going to finish it because it's easy and cute, but it's it's not like captivating or holding my attention. Um, But yeah, that is what... I have been reading so far. Okay, great. Well, have Yay. you read <laughs> Yay. Yay. Do you know how hard it was to figure out how to spell cerulean? Yeah, I just don't know how to spell it. I just type <laughs> it in and then my phone autocorrects it every single time. What a name. What a word. 
What a word. But what a vivid description. Okay. The color cerulean. When I was little, I used to say that was my favorite color because nobody could pronounce it. You've been on a reading binge. So like, let's hear it. Last time we recorded, I had just started Beautiful World, Where Are You? by Sally Rooney. It's so funny because in that book, I or in that episode, I talked about how I love the two main characters and how they're so relatable. And they're both so freaking obnoxious in their own way. And they're also so up their own assholes. It's so funny now that like my impression was so completely wrong. But wow, is that not reflective? <laughs> um. But I really liked that book. I think Sally Rooney has been criticized for her writing style and for focusing on this like particular group of people. And I do think that group of people remind me a lot of my friends. And that's part of why it's like funny to see them characterized this way. Like they are so obsessed with living a good life, with living a meaningful life, with giving back. But at the end of the day, they're still all obsessed with who I'm in love with and who I'm sleeping with and do they love me. And they try to be like bigger than they really are. But they're kind of all just still caught in the same relationship traps that all of us are. So I really liked it. I thought she adds in these emails in between the chapters, between the two main women characters, which I loved. And I thought provided a lot of context for the rest of the book so not my favorite book of the year but I like Sally Rooney I thought it was a good book I found the the relationships in the book are not it's not a surprise what's gonna happen and some of what she's like this is what happened you're like no it didn't (laughs) do you think I would like it that couple is that couple um I have bad news for you (laughs) so I'm gonna last for them like do you think I would like it based on how I feel about endings etc No, this does have a closed ending. Also, one of the male characters reminds me a lot of the male character from Normal People. Mm. And that is hot, hot, hot. So, (laughs) like, uh, sign me up. Sign me up. Okay, maybe I'll read it. I enjoyed it. The other book I read was Emily St. John Mandel's Station Eleven. So, in our former IRL book club, Katie and I read... Uh, her other book Emily's other book The Glass Hotel I liked the plot of The Glass Hotel a little bit better I thought it was more interesting but Station Eleven takes place after a pandemic has like completely destroyed society and her meditations on what it's like to live through something like that and to mourn what you lost and to think constantly about how the world used to be and what it would be like to never think about this again I was so accurate and moving and made me cry and also I cannot believe made me thankful for fucking COVID because you know what we just sat at home and tweeted about our feelings like in this world society completely collapses there's no electricity there's no gas there's nobody to take care of you there is no government there is no money and like these people have to fend for themselves and I'm like you know what (laughs) it was a bad pandemic it is a bad pandemic, but it was not that like society's still functioning right. to some degree. So, <clears throat> okay, maybe oh, it. but yeah, it was beautiful. Oh. It was very her writing style is very cold and bizarre. Where you're like, okay, like one of the main characters is this older actor, sort of like a George Clooney type, who has been married three times, and part of the driving plot is like his marriages and his death. And you're like, what does this guy have to do with anything? 
and it sort of gets back to it but you're like what is this subplot that we're just following this old actor dude so interesting. and flashing back subplot. and forth between that and this like post-pandemic survival story okay weird but maybe i'll pick it up but so good but so good i thought the characters were really really good i loved it oh okay yay yeah and now i'm back to song of achilles oh yeah you stopped song of achilles are you not liking it I am not liking it as much as I liked Cirque. I just think like Song of Achilles is like from these two dudes perspective or this one dude's perspective. I don't know. Ugh. I'll see. They just got they just left the centaur. OK. And they just hooked up for the first time. OK. Well, we'll have to see what your review so is. We'll see. I will be sad if you don't like it. <laughs> More kidding. reviews coming. I'm sure I'm going to like it, but now I'm going to read Song of Achilles. I think that's going to be my last book. Is that 52? Of my, yeah, of my goal. Yay! Proud of you. I think I need to set my goal higher last year, but I really like to uh, next year. You mean next year? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your goal this year? 36 books. <laughs> I like to underpromise, overdeliver. I'm already at 46. Look, 52 is like nothing for bookstagrammers. I am astonished they're like well I read a hundred books this year and I'm like well I'm a piece of shit who watches Netflix like I'm not reading that much I mean you would have to be reading like one book a week is crazy so you just did you just did one book a week when you break it down like that to one book a week like I that is so much more than the average person reads so if you get out of bookstagram when I tell people I read my goal was 36 books who do not read are not in the bookstagram world they're like 36 books that's three books a month and I'm like no I know it's a lot Oh my God. Okay. Can I read you this quote from station 11? Yeah. So he's okay. So this is when this one character starts walking by himself. Like the society's collapsed. He's just like walking to try and find somebody. Um, it was becoming more difficult to hold on to himself. He tried to keep up a litany of biological fact or biographical facts as he walked, trying to anchor himself to this life, to this earth. My name is Jivan Chandri. I was a photographer and then I was going to be a paramedic. My parents were George of Ottawa and Amala of Hyderabad. I was born in the Toronto suburbs. I have a house on Winchester Street. But these, th- these thoughts broke apart in his head and were replaced by strange fragments. This is my soul in the world unwinding. This is my heart in the still winter air. Finally, whispering the same two words over and over, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. He looked up and met the eyes of an owl watching him from a snow-laden branch. Wow. Like, how does she just do that? Talk about, like, your entire identity dissolving, society dissolving, becoming present with the world, but what is the world? Like, so good. Okay, I might have to read it. That was beautiful. (sighs) Okay. Okay. Well, anyways. Anyway, see you next week. See you next week. (laughs) On that note, (laughs) bye. Okay, bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney, with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Isn't that from, oh my God, what's that Anne Hathaway movie? Yes, The Devil Wears Prada. It's cerulean and you wouldn't even know. Yes. <laughs> That's not just a, it's not just blue. Yeah, it's so good. It's cerulean and you picked this out of a pile in a thrift store. You didn't even know. Oh my God, I gotta watch that movie. It's good. <laughs> <laughs>